The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to this week's episode of Work the Left Side. I am joined by Shady Natras. Um, awesome episode, awesome guy. Um, not to say awesome episode, to sound like I'm, you know, being overly boastful. Uh, it's just a good episode for me to record. Um, again, I'm lucky enough to talk to people uh, on a very similar wavelength. Um, Shady's another one of those guys man he's he's been in the wrestling business for like 20 odd years uh he's got experience on experience uh there's a lot of guys he's, he's worked with over the years tommy ends ricochets paul london's and uh, we talk about paul london as well because um they're still good mates kind of thing and they, they talk on a regular basis so you know we, we, we talk about that and yeah, um, obviously we kind of sidebar off into uh, geeky territory as well. So um, apologies or you're welcome for that, depending on your mindset when it comes to comic book stuff. So hopefully, you know, you'll enjoy both aspects. So yeah, uh, check it out as normal. Let us know what you think. Leave some notes in the comments and yeah give it a thumbs up give it a share subscribe if you're a first time viewer um if you are a first time viewer i hope you enjoy it uh please come back please go over and watch some of the the old videos as well um and thank you for you know joining us so if you're a regular viewer thank you so much for coming back and sticking with us um but yeah so hopefully you know enjoy this episode a lot of cool stuff talked about, uh, and again, he's a very, very cool guy. So there we go. So that's it, and enjoy. Welcome to Work the Left Side. I am joined this week by the awesomeness that is Shady Natras. Uh, Mr. Natras, say hi. Hi, uh, pleased to be on. Thank you, dude. Awesome to have you, man. Um, obviously, big fan, follow you on Twitter and stuff, so just... You know the, the wrestling stuff you put out on Twitter, obviously um, offering you know uh, your expertise, your knowledge, and stuff like that to people as well. Um, I know you do that on a regular basis uh, on Twitter, which is you know that, that's awesome because it's it's all about helping everybody out. It's, you know you're helping to elevate other people, um, and if they're willing to learn, you know, good on them kind of thing. So uh, yeah, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, it's just. I just kind of realised over the last, you know, when we haven't had shows to do, um, I might as well be doing what I can to help others. Um, and I might not have been at the at the top of the tree, but I've been uh, I've been in the trenches. So um, I think I can provide uh, a, a unique uh, perspective on things because um, I, I am very much a wrestler who thinks that. The goal is to have uh, put a good match together so that the crowd enjoy it, rather than, hey, I'm just going to make myself look good. 
Um, there's a big, there's a bigger picture to to wrestling, and I think uh, it is often overlooked. So uh, I'm just kind of trying to give back. And uh, when we we started in, it was actually 1999 when we started, and we got taught very very little. <laughs> we we got taught like a tie up and bumping and a couple of little spots and that was it right. we got no psychology no no creativity nothing <laughs> um and then by the time our first match came around it was just thrown in the deep end not even not even given a time limit <laughs> wow so, so yeah it was uh, very much uh, a learn as we uh, as we progressed and um so would you not worried about like running over or did that obviously you had that kind of hang if you weren't given a time limit it was like hey because that's actually basic sort of thing isn't it? You're, you're, am i going out for five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes if i go over 15 am i stealing time from somebody else it's like yeah, yeah it wasn't even mentioned it like the promoter didn't even mention it at all and oh. thinking looking back now it's like crazy to think that we were given that because I know, like, our match did drag on. It was like a three-on-two handicap match. That made no sense whatsoever because the three of us were faces against a, a face and heel team that would been passed together as the, the tag team champions. Right. And there was no thought gone into any of it, but it was 1999. That's what... Res- uh, 2001, sorry. That's what wrestling was. <laughs> I suppose if it ran long... The show just went long because I've been yeah. to, I've been to loads of shows like you know that scheduled for like two and a half hours, three hours kind of thing, and like five hours later you're just walking out like Jesus, wept. you know that was a, a, a long show. I've now missed my last train kind of thing. Yeah, um, we we actually went uh, to watch a show once and they actually just shut the door so nobody left. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which is crazy to think, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it's wrestling so much more professional now. So um, yeah, it's it's a better, higher standard. So that's that's what I prefer. I was going to say because you yeah you kind of got into it before I would say what I would call the the second coming of British wrestling. I think I've spoken to um, RJ, you know, sort of like I count from about uh, obviously. British wrestling was huge, 80s, uh, world of sport, you know, it was top of its game kind of thing. Um, and then it kind of did decline, but it, it kind of fell out of grace or fell out of favour for a while, I would say, until potentially, yeah, like early noughties, mid noughties. And yeah. I sort of say, you've got these guys coming through now, like yourself, who, who were learning it. And you had those guys um, who then just through hard work, obviously word of mouth, um, it then started to gain traction again yeah absolutely it was yeah, i mean F- fwa were were just getting uh getting the ball rolling when when we were starting they were just building up their momentum um and then as soon as they started bringing the uh the imports over that's that's when the first uh uh what should we say second boom came then yeah um and then wrestling started changing from there. And then you look at progress for the third boom, if we if we say that. Um, yeah, it was. It's been it's been up and down. There's uh, there's been plenty of uh, 
very small crowds uh, that we've been in yeah. front of, uh, little dingy venues, but it, it was learning. Do you know what I mean? We, we, we travelled from Carlisle to Portsmouth twice without getting paid to work for FWA Academy. Um, but it was the opportunity. And, you know what I mean, we, back then, there wasn't the... You didn't think you were going to go to WWE. It was, yeah. that, wasn't, that wasn't a... You know what I mean? Drew... What was it on your radar? And uh, Birchill. They were... Birchill and Pac. Pac. So them three were pretty much the only three that really made it to WWE. Um, and that was because they're all... They were all exceptional at something, whether it was appearance or size, like size or the skill. Um, whereas the rest of us were just like, well, we'll just work the circuit. Um, so, so WWE was never really an option. Um, so we, yeah, we just stuck to what what we did. And um, after fourteen years, I kind of uh, I, I worked with Paul London, and then I realised what I was doing. <laughs> I was going to say, well, I was looking through your list of matches. Uh, I clocked London's name in there a few times. Um, just got to say as well, man, looking through, like, you know, the resume of matches. Um, there's just literally, like, you, you fought the who's who of international talent and British talent as well kind of thing. Uh, and it definitely looks like at one point you were, I would say, like, every promotion's got that one guy that if there's a, an international talent coming over, you put him with your top guy kind of thing or the guy that is consistent you know, that will deliver for you kind of thing. And yeah, looking through your thing, it seems like definitely you had that spot. Yeah. Um, and it, like, it's it's difficult because um, Target's actually, like, run by my brother. So so it's difficult. I, I'm now in a difficult position, whereas I've got to not just be the person that gets the matches, if that right. makes sense. It was never it was never done like that. It was never booked that way. But I was the biggest star in Carlisle. Um, so it makes sense to sell tickets. Do you know what I mean as the import faces the person from Carlisle? Yeah. And then then I turned heel and it actually made sense for me to be in these matches. Um so it it all kind of rolled together and, and made sense. It wasn't just a case of I mean, we've all seen promoters booking themselves in uh, in these big matches, but it actually made sense for Target to do it. Um, yeah. And luckily, uh, I think I uh, held my end of the bargain. <laughs> well, like I say, I don't, regardless of like, you know, um, family and stuff, if, if you want delivering, then business is business. And, it, you know, you wouldn't have been doing it again kind of thing. So obviously I was looking through and, yeah, I should say poor London, um obviously, obviously tommy ends you know there was one match in there that actually really sort of piques my interest which was a triple threat with you kirby and tommy end yeah and after this i'm gonna to have to go and try and scour the internet to try and find that match to be fair because obviously yourself tommy ends uh, but i'm a, a massive mark for kirby as well i think he's definitely one of the most underrated guys in the uh british scene yeah i i am as well i, I always thought kirby was um probably the best all-round worker in the country um you could you could put him in any position in the card and he'd deliver um and yeah it was it was an interesting combination with the three of us and i think uh, i think it did work really well you can have uh, 
three ways can be a bit difficult sometimes and end up being a bit scrappy, but uh, it worked really well, I think. Yeah, you kind of have to avoid that. Uh, somebody getting thrown out and then two guys doing the work for five, ten minutes and they're swapping over kind of thing because it's become very format. Uh, it's just become a formula of, I'd say, WWE three ways more than anything. But yeah. And, and like I've been, <laughs> I've been in that position a few times in, in Target. There was, uh, there was a one with myself, Luke Cross, and Leighton Buzzard. Um, and we had a spot at the start of the match, and it was just, for me, one of the most fluid three-way spots that I've ever came up with, because it just, it was essentially an international spot, which everybody's seen a million times with two people doing it, yeah. but we made three people do it. Um and kind of fit it really well so it was all all three of us together in one spot um and yeah i think it worked really well and it was something that i was very proud of because um if if you get a good reaction on your opening spot it kind of <laughs> kind of makes the rest of the match a bit easier takes um, the pressure off doesn't it kind of thing you can be like right okay yeah the fans are into this let's just you know do it and and then you've got another three way that i had with soldato and the Great Okan from New Japan. Mm. So <laughs> there was a, a language barrier because Soldato was the uh, Scottish luchador with a mask on. Uh, Great Okan, uh, he's obviously, his English wasn't the best. Um, and he was also working with an injury, which he was really worried about um, because he had, I think he had split his head open maybe the night previous. Right. And essentially, um, a and E over here had said, "Look, if if he gets split up, and we're not going to help you." <laughs> so, so he was really worried about opening it up again. So, but that was I kind of took it on my as you know, in my experience to to hold that together, and I think it worked. It wasn't, you know, what I mean, it wasn't the best match on the show, but. We we held it together long enough for for the people to get into the match. So yeah, learning experience for for everyone. I think, it, man. As, as you've kind of like we mentioned before at the start, you know, you, you're throwing these um, you know, things out on like social media, you know, where you're sort of offering people help, kind of thing. Um, I'm guessing as well, you're still obviously open to learning as well. You know, every match is a learning curve. You learn something new every time you go out there. I would, and, you know, and if you don't, are you just an autopilot? Yeah, I like I, I always, I always want to get better. Um, it, I mean, it was it was only last year I was sending my footage away for to people like Tom Pritchard, um, and Sinbody Kizani, um, to get to get their feedback because I still want to get better. I I want to be as good as I can be, um, and I think everybody needs that in especially in wrestling where it it, it can be a bit doggy dog and uh, everybody has to uh, compete for for places um and yeah you have to be as good as you can and i think if you look at that list of uh, matches i've had um you can't you can't deny the uh, the range that i've had to cover <laughs> there's, so, there's a load of tag matches in there stuff as well because obviously i think you and c uh, I, I noticed a, a few with you and cj banks as a team yeah. he was going against like jody flash and johnny storm 
Yeah. Uh, you know, the hooligans. Um, it's just, but so yeah, it looks like you obviously you covered a lot of spectrum. You know, you say Fatal Four Ways. I saw a few eight man crazy yeah. matches in there, kind of thing. Uh, I think it was PCW. There was a couple of uh, ones for them. And like I say, tag matches and triple threats. So yeah, you've you pretty much got the board covered. Like the thing with wrestling is, as long as it's safe, there isn't a right or wrong way. Um, there's ways to do things better, but the too too many times people would say, "Oh no, you got taught that wrong," and it's like, well, just because I got it taught differently, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Um, but yeah, people people have different views. If my my uh, my analogy is always, if John Cena was to tell you that you had to do something one way, but then Okada told you to do something a different way. Neither of them's wrong. It's just the way they do it is different. So it kind of has to depend on on yourself whether whether it fits your style, whether it works with your audience. Um, And I think too many too many people just go and have this is what I'm going to do. Set the (laughs) ways. Yeah, Um, and that that can. That can be set in really quickly in a career, um, and it's not wrong. But when you can have, when you can get more out of things, I always feel you should. <laughs> yeah, be open, be open to it. Basically, if somebody's like trying to help you, then yeah, just just kind of be open. To it. I mean, even the basics are different across the board. Obviously, because the name of the channel work the left side. Um, but you know, I'm talking to a previous guest who you know worked across Europe. And they work the right side. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, okay, that's totally different. But again, it's just the basics. You know, one one way isn't right and the other way isn't wrong. It's it's just yes. different. Um and sometimes sometimes you don't even get to to know that's going to happen until you're in there and it's got oh, we're doing it this way. <laughs> Which <laughs> I mean, you've got to be able to adapt on the fly. Um when I worked I I worked with Al Snow, I had a match with Al Snow. Um, and Al Snow is my favourite wrestler ever. So, um, knowing what I've seen of Al Snow on Tough Enough, etc., well, I'd pretty much said, look, if I have this match and he tells me I'm shit, I'm just packing in. (laughs) (laughs) No question. That's it. Um, (laughs) And, like, backstage, he, like, I'd spent a couple of days with him, and he's got like a really dry sense of humor to the point where you don't know if he's making a joke or not. <laughs> so we're putting the match together and he says, well, okay, just call anything you want in the ring. I was like, okay, okay. We, I might not do it. <laughs> um, and I was still a face at the time. So like we, we put what we had together, there was only a couple of things that we did. Um, Pretty much all of it was done on the fly. So got in the ring in Carlisle, my hometown, where I was a face. Um, I got to the ring first. Al Snow comes out. Uh, then the ref comes over to us. Says, uh, Al says, you're the heel now. So I shit myself again. <laughs> because he'd got a face reaction, we, we, need, we needed to work it that way. And I just did it. I, it was, I didn't cheat. Because obviously I've got to come back the month after. 
as a base, but it was just more aggressive. Um, and like I'll I'll did appreciate the fact that I, it, that just happened, and it wasn't. It was just one of those things. You just go with the flow. What works best. Um, so then we got backstage. So was was everything all right? It's like yeah, it was good. So I was like, um. <laughs> so we, we worked another show with him the, the day after, and I actually pulled him aside and says, "Look, can you tell us what I did wrong?" <laughs> and like he he pointed something out and he says. The match I've just had here, he did the same thing. So it's not a big deal, but something to think about. And so I was like, okay, well, if, if I think I'm all right, I'm all right. <laughs> okay, that, yeah, that's, that's quite a cool, quite a good compliment in the sense of, listen, he tell you you're quit, uh, you know, crap and you have, to, <laughs> you have to quit. That's it. I'm just like, oh, dude, I can't even imagine just the pressure you must have been on at the point. Though. Just, you weren't going into it with that mindset as well. Just like, that. oh, no. <laughs> Also, don't like me. That's it. You know, it's, it's done. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's he's one of those guys that seems. It's obviously got a good reputation. You know about him. He's he's solid. Um, I sort of say through the tough enough stuff, and obviously, um, he kind of did the same thing in TNA. Um, he kind of he's obviously very trusted to you know critique and and coach people. Um, so yeah, he says you're good man. That's it. Take that. <laughs> Take that and run with it, dude. Um, Generic question then. Um, obviously, late nineties, which is sort of say wrestling, British wrestling wasn't in its boom at that point. It probably was very hard to even locate a school at that time. I would have thought there may have been like a handful across the country. Yeah. Um, what got you into it, man? What made you sort of be like, right, this is what I want to do? Uh, well, unfortunately, I've got three brothers, <laughs> <laughs> so it was often uh, uh, WrestleMania time at our house. Um, and a lot of time we would just kind of bring it on ourselves to to have our own little matches. Um, and I think for us, we kind of got early on um, the working together part. Because we we found out early on, if we didn't help, we're going to end up getting hurt. <laughs> um, and I've, I was a wrestling fan, fan from like 1991. That's when I got into wrestling. Um, because I was at, yeah, yeah. Um, so I got once I was into wrestling, it never actually like crossed my mind. Hey, this isn't real. I never went, Hey, this is real, but I never, it didn't bother me that it wasn't real. And it it was never, it was never, Oh my god, it's not real. It, it, It was never one of them moments, I think. Um, but I always enjoyed your, your Mr. Perfects and your um, my Genetis and people like that. You know, it was the, the workers that I always enjoyed. Um, and then my my brother was a, a big collector of wrestling magazines, and we found a school in Blackpool, um, and it was pretty shocking. <laughs> um, it was it was run by a guy called Chuck Khan who. Uh, I've heard William Regal isn't a fan of. <laughs> um, and we we paid £200 to join because we'd heard stories from America, that's some of that they did to join schools. So it wasn't really 
um, I think. But then we had to pay twenty pound every every session for an hour and a half in a boxing ring with no insurance. Um, and then after several months, it became a thing where he'd we turn up, he'd let us in, and then he'd disappear until the, the training finished. <laughs> so basically, we just uh, put Train little matches ourselves in a ring um and then we turned up one week and then he wasn't there and that was it <laughs> um and that was when we moved to um what was known at the time as aiwf gb or gbh i think it was called um and that was in stoke um that's where your dean allmark and people like that were were from um dean was uh, a big help for me early on um I think because uh, I think I, he was he wrestled a style that I enjoyed, so I think uh, it, it kind of uh, worked well for me to to pick things up off Dean. Um, but then once we started on shows, he had actually went to All Star, so <laughs> I never got a chance to work with him early on. Um, yeah, and that was us in at the deep end with uh, as far as um, learning. We just kind of learned on the on the job i thought it was kind of struck you mentioned dean there he always seems to be like a a constant as well you know within british wrestling kind of thing you know but i'm sort of like yourself he's just there you know but he's very very good at what he does uh and if you see him advertised you know the dude's going to deliver kind of thing you know he, he knows the dynamics uh inside and out um <laughs> and yeah again very under i don't, I don't want to say underappreciated because he's not by the fans but he doesn't never seem to get the limelight yeah, and I do sometimes wonder if uh, people like Dean are okay with that, um, because he he loves the business. He he knows that if if the time comes where he needs to be in the spotlight, he can he can do it. So yeah, it's there's there's so many on on the British scene that can find kind of fit that role. Um, and I, I do think we are very lucky to to have the talent that we do in the country. Yeah. I'll tell you, um, CJ Banks, obviously, you know as well, former tag team partner, he's, he's another one I would place within that sort of list. Um, Joey Hayes, uh, yeah. I think, as well as some, you know, a handful of guys that are just kind of, yeah, not again, not underappreciated, but just don't seem to get the, the recognition um, that, that they, they deserve just for yeah. being uh, as good as they are kind of thing. Um, one one of the the possible reasons is um, maybe a lot of our work was done out of the social media spotlight. Yeah. If that makes sense, um, I think that's that's made a big difference over the years as to how quickly people can appear to rise through the scene because it's. It's as much about perception as anything, isn't it? Um, if uh, you know, I mean, gifts and everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember hearing um, that it got trained somewhere within, like, cause I don't know somebody like you know, was training, and they actually did like a social media class uh, in one of the you know uh, courses. Uh, you know, you had like your promos, you had your green room work, but then there was also like training about social media, uh, you know, and just. To get followers because you know it makes you look better than you are or bigger than you are if you've got 
you know, this abundance of, you know, like 20k followers or something. Yeah. And and that was something I I think I personally struggled with. Um as like last year was a big a big almost eye opener for me because um I always I think I think I'm quite good at wrestling. Um uh but I'm also I don't have an ego. Yes. Yeah. So I don't like saying, hey, look at me. <laughs> um and I think over social media I've often been um kind of safe, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh um, it does. And but you're not using it for to big yourself up as well. You, you by the you know, you can go through your social media and it's very much as I sort of said before, you know, to help other people out kind of thing. You're not blowing your own horn. Um, and but even by the um by being on podcasts and offering the the, the feedback, um a lot of a lot of people that have got in touch with me probably haven't really seen a lot of my work until they've seen like the YouTube videos. Yeah. Um and I don't want to kind of say, hey, you should know who I am because I've been wrestling for so long. Because that's not how the world works. Um, but I, I kind of brought it on myself last year when we were all stuck in lockdown. I might as well say, look, I, I can do something to help myself as well as everybody else here. Um, I wanted to, to stay relevant. Um, and that's why I offered to, to do the podcasts. I never, like, I honestly never thought people would be in touch. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because, as I say, I, I don't, um, I don't have the ego. Because at the end of the day, we fake fighting old pants. <laughs> so I, I don't think that I, I don't see me personally because I'm, I'm realistic. I also know I'm mainly wrestling Carlisle, so a lot of, lot of the country won't know who I am. But I also believe in my ability that if you watch me, you'll understand why i do think i'm good enough um and yeah i just kind of thought look i need to do something so i'll i'll offer to do podcasts i'll i'll do the the match feedback for anybody interested um and i tell everybody that i do the feedback for like if if you if you don't if you don't want to take what i say to you it's it doesn't bother me because it's up to you it's your it's your career you kind of do what you want to do i'm not going to tell you you're you're wrong for for not listening um and making the youtube videos i absolutely hate doing them because i it is the reason why i call it pro wrestling is real life is because we all have a million things going on (laughs) um not not all of us are uh, able to do wrestling full-time i have I have a, a, a work job during the week, um, working night shift. Uh, I have, I have a girlfriend and a, and a young daughter. I've got um, an ex-wife and two kids that live with her. I've got loads of stuff on. I've, I deal with with anxiety, um, uh, self-image. You know what I mean? I, I I do often struggle with things, but the key for me is wrestling wrestling's kept me going for so long um it's it is one of those things that 
it's it's always there. Um, if, if I'm having a bad day, I can watch wrestling. If if I'm if I'm happy, I can watch wrestling. If I'm sad, I can watch wrestling. It's it's there for for everybody, and that's that's what upsets me about the whole gatekeeping thing. <laughs> it it's there's there's enough wrestling for everybody. So yeah, if if you if you don't like something, don't watch it. Watch something else. Exactly. And if you if you're telling people not to watch, then you're uh, downselling what you're watching because. The more people turn up to shows, the more shows can be on. The the more money they make, the the better the wrestlers that can 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 get. And it is a case of everything. The bigger picture is wrestling can be better by everybody working together. Yeah, um, you, you can stand on each other's shoulders as opposed to you know dragging each other down kind of thing. Yeah, um, that's that's why I had uh, I've also made the Project Wrestling Unity brand. Um, and that's, um, people thought when I first, uh, did it, that it was just to sell t-shirts. The t-shirts were just, Hey, if you want to support us, support us. Um, but it is mainly because I always felt that if I shared certain things, um, it would look like I was trying to kiss ass or, or try and like help myself. But it's not. It's because I want. Hey, that's that's a good match. That I'd I'd want to watch that. Share it so all the people get the choice to to go and watch it. Um. So I made this brand just to to help share things without um, while still being neutral, rather than just being from me. That makes sense because yeah, because I mean, the day word of the mouth, word of the mouth, word of mouth is the best thing you can do, and that's key for social media that's one of the best things about social media. there's a lot of negativity about social media but when it's used correctly in a positive manner that is one of the best things you can use it for is to share you know the good stuff um you know yeah like say this match is awesome go you know watch this match kind of thing i might never have heard of that that company before but now i do so yeah. you know i'll go out and check the other stuff out as well now on the back of that yeah absolutely so no that's awesome um like i said it's just if you can do it as well, it's not, it's not about you. It's about the idea that that in itself is is something that, that people need to look into more or, you know, pay attention to. Um, it, show love for. it only takes a second to, to click the retweet button. <laughs> and that's and that's enough to to kind of say, hey, look at this. That's that's all you need. Well, I say it's just more eyes on the product in it. And um, take it to someone last week. Um, and like he's saying, his goal was just to get more more eyes on the scene. Um, if he can help do that, that then elevates other people because you know people can go away. Then they might not be a fan of him, but they might be a fan of somebody else that they've seen on the show. Yeah. And then it, it, it spirals. It's like a ripple effect, isn't it? The more eyes you've got on it, you know, the, the audience grows. And that and that's uh, what um, uh, I had I had tweeted about uh, imports on the British scene. Um, like we've all seen a, a wrestler that's maybe coming for three months um, from the US, and they were looking for bookings. Um, help them because yeah. um, you might learn something in that match that you wouldn't have learned with somebody on the the UK scene, and then that makes you better, which makes the show better, which makes the next show better, 
and then and do you know what I mean? The other side is they can if they go back and you've done a good job and went, hey, he was really good. It, it, yeah, it, it really is. And it, yeah, it's amazing as well because I think the, the especially the international guys because um, well, I mentioned uh, Travis. Uh, so guys like Belor came over, or Devitt, so, you know, Devitt came over, Steens, Goldust, um, and after he passed, you know, a lot of these guys went out of the way to show appreciation, to show love, uh, and it kind of shows you what kind of a mark he must have left on them when they came over as well. Yeah, so it just goes both ways, you know. They don't just benefit us, you know. We can benefit, you know, them, and it just helps. Um, I guess you potentially get you a foot in the door elsewhere as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was that. Going back to the Paul London match, um, I kind of went into that uh, when early on in our careers. It was always if there was an import, it was it was a Jake the Snake, it was a, a Barbarian, you know, yeah. somebody like which don't get us wrong, good workers. But by this point, you were getting bare minimum out of them, um, and one of the first things uh, Paul had said was how he had been watching my stuff on YouTube to kind of get an idea of how it worked. Okay. And, well, first of all, that blew my mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, we like, but then we had the match and we we clicked and we had a chemistry. Um, and then it it made it special. And Jim, I mean, I've I've been talking to him today. Um, we're we're constantly in touch. He he sent my daughter a, a video message for for a birthday. Um, it's he. I mean, he he won't do. There's nothing he won't do to help me, and he knows that I'll help him any way I can. Um, and you know, what I mean, that's just from having a match. So, if, do you know what I mean if if that if that can work, then you want to be having these matches, even if. You know what I mean? It might not be uh, an ex-WWE superstar, but it might be somebody who's on the way up or, you know what I mean? Any, any position, it's it's always a learning and a growing opportunity. I say it's um, it's just a chance to soak up more experience, I just want to say. And then, Dave, it doesn't lead anywhere in your career. By the sounds of it, man, you potentially could also make an awesome mate. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's win-win. <laughs> you know, it doesn't all have to be <laughs> career-based. You know, it could be you could gain something personally from it. So um, I've got to ask though: is is the dude just like a, a Zen master? You know, I just imagine him just being this total chilled out. You know, kind of sat there just doing yoga all day, with nothing. You know, just chilling out. <laughs> Depends what day you get him on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. He's a very busy man, um, and stuff like um, he he does a lot of of acting and things. So he he is constantly um auditioning and and doing his work and he is is like paul just he just has this energy around him and i don't think he realizes it because he's just he's a special character um and unfortunately i don't think uh, uh i don't think he enjoys wrestling as much as um the wrestling fans enjoy watching him wrestle um, but I've tried banging his head a few times about it. <laughs> uh, I think 
his knees are shot. Like it's, it's taken his toll, on he? I would sort yeah. of say, kind of thing. And it's just, it's got to be hard, though. Um, but that, that's what I've one of the things that I've spoken to him about because he he has this charisma. He doesn't have to do the the death defying stuff. He he did the uh, he did that rumble at PCW with one arm, just with the microphone, and everybody loved it. And it it was ridiculous. And do you know what I mean he was he wasn't fit enough to wrestle, yet he had the people in the palm of his hands. So <laughs> if you if you can do that, you don't have to kill yourself every show. Like, don't get us wrong. We've both ended up uh, in casualty after our two matches. <laughs> That's it. You probably say you one thing, but then obviously your body's going like, no, no, I can do this. Once the adrenaline kicks in, you know, common yeah. sense, I'm guessing, it's, you know, it's gone kind of thing. And it's just there. But yeah, no, the, the dude is, is is awesome. And I've never seen a, uh, a bad word said about him by wrestling fans or, you know, anyone that's worked with him or knows him kind of thing. He, he just generally does seem to be like one of those guys that people... Um, are drawn to kind of thing, but in a good way because you know, yeah, like I say, he's got this aura about him. So yeah, kudos to him, man. And hopefully, you know, he's doing good at whatever he's, you know, he's, he's, he's as long as he's happy. That's the key thing. Yeah, uh, he's he's working on a, a film currently. They've just uh, got the backing on the GoFundMe, and it's called Geek the Movie, and it's very much a eighties kids adventure type film almost like a, a goonies or something mm-hmm. like that. um and it's a, a little boy and he's and a robot and i think paul plays the boy's dad so uh, yeah i'm nice. looking forward to seeing that when it's finished yeah well obviously it keeps posted on uh on, on twitter and stuff and we'll, we'll spread the word because um you had me at 80s kids adventure <laughs> you know that sort of stuff i was like yep that's it i'm there um Kind of ties into um, the whole geek life. Um, you and me have talked about numerous times. Um, I've, I've spoken to this, but you know, with a few people now, um, the, the 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 crossover appeal between you know wrestling and comic books. Um, obviously, comic books are now more mainstream thanks to the MCU and stuff like that. Uh, I know there's a, there's a handful of us that used to read comic books back in the day before the MCU. You know, we were the cool kids before it was cool. <laughs> um so obviously i know you're you're one of us kind of thing so um well we, we got picked on from like reading comic books and now it's like we're the cool kids it's like what the hell you know this could have happened like 20 years ago i'd have been a stud in school if that was you know if, as it was now i'd have been the fucking dick of the playground uh but no i ended up getting bullied in the comic books nicked off of me so um yeah what's what was the master um there is a, there is a, a crossover appeal, isn't there? I'm not I'm not making this up. Obviously, there's between wrestling and comic books. Is it the larger than life characters? Yeah, and uh, like I was I was a comic book fan before I was a, a wrestling fan, and that could have been part of the appeal when I got into it. I, as I say, like it just kind of wrestling was just all of a sudden there in my life, and and, and that was it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it probably it probably was the the larger than life characters, which is like weird. Early nineties, you had like your yeah. warriors, your macho man. It was face paint galore, wasn't it at that time? The, the strange thing was, I was like, it was WCW that got me into wrestling first because it was on ITV, two o'clock in the morning or something stupid yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it wasn't even the biggest characters that we would see. 
It wasn't. It wasn't like to your warriors and everybody. And Barry Windham's, you had like <laughs> Dustin Rhodes there and stuff like that at the time, didn't you? looking people. Um, and yeah, it just like once WWF kind of came on the scene, I think that's when it really clicks. Hey, this this policeman's fighting. <laughs> and do you know what I mean? It, it, it felt like a comic book because you had characters um, jumping off the top rope and things. It, it made it it made it special, um, and yeah, I think subconsciously that's probably where the connection was. Um, but yeah, it, it, like unfortunately, I've I've been a, a comic book fan for, for a very long time, um, and it it was it was the same as wrestling though. When when I was a kid, you couldn't you couldn't like wrestling because it wasn't cool. Because um, like it was fake, um, you c- you can't read comic books because they're for kids, yeah. and it's like I'll do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pretty much. You like you know yeah same sort of logic. You know I, I like what I like. I like sort of say you know I paid my, I like to think I paid my dues as a kid. You know and <laughs> you know, I'm reaping the rewards now. Um, but it's. Yeah, I think, especially like in the 90s, um, as a comic book fan, uh, you say, well, using comic books before wrestling, which you said 91, so you would have been reading comics, what I would class as the boom period for comics, which was like mid-90s when you had your Jim Lees, your Liefelds, your Tom McFarlane's, um, Spider-Man was, you know, they they relaunched X-Men with Jim Lee. Um, That was, that was, um, I was in and out of comics like prior to that, but then, uh, that's what hooked me in like 100% and I've been hooked since kind of thing that was that was my um, especially like the artwork um, yeah. I was always a Marvel guy because of the artwork I was never a DC fan same uh, I like uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of both because um, for me it's it's a mixture of the the characters and the storytelling um, which wrestling <laughs> um, it it's um if there's a character i like i'll i'll follow them i'll I'll watch i'll read the comics i'll i'll kind of be about that character like um i love i love the lantern corpse um i'm not giving you the middle finger here but look (laughs) yeah um my my really um nerdy named youngest daughter uh, (laughs) Well, her, her full name is Nova after uh, one, the superhero, and two, the wrestler. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and her, her middle name is Hope, which is what powers the Blue Lanterns. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's a little nerdy thing for you. And I've actually got some like plastic lantern rings on display, and she always has the blue lantern ring and because she knows the flash was a blue lantern she just runs backwards and forwards <laughs> so yeah there were exceptions when i say i'm not a dc guy they, 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 there are a few exceptions to um i think nowadays the, the artwork's awesome in dc it's just like i say mid 90s because uh, I, I draw you know i class myself as, as an artist as well i was always more uh, drawn to, to the art side of things um I tried picking up DC stuff. I just could never really get to grips with it until like the mid noughts uh, when I the artwork jumped totally up. Agree, totally agree. The uh, the likes of your your X Force runs and in your Spider Man Clone Wars type, uh, their their artworks would just they just shut out the page. Yeah. 
Um, and that that just like got me hooked. It was like, yeah, there's there's so much going on in this uh, this X Force comic that I just can't like put it down. <laughs> oh, there was a fuck. There was a bugger as well in the nineties, like double page spreads. So you'd be sat there reading it, and then you'd have to kind of like, you know, I mean, <laughs> twist the page around. You'd be like, what the hell? Um, that's Liefeld. We don't we don't talk about Liefeld. Um, <laughs> that's just. Um, you know, if we ever do a comic book special thing, I just I despise the guy. I think he's so overrated. But Tom McFarlane, yeah, Greg, Greg Daniels on X Force, awesome stuff. Uh, but then, yeah, mid noughties, um, loved Carl Rayner as Green Lantern. Um, he's one who got me into the Green Lantern thing because again, he was an artist. So I used to love seeing, you know, what he did with the with the ring kind of thing. Uh, obviously, the Flash, uh, Lobo. Lobo's always been one of my favourites. Um, one of the things with me is. I didn't kind of realise until I got older how how much of an influence Batman and Spider-Man have had on me. Um, I'm a big Batman and Spider-Man fan. Uh, like I just <laughs> I, I've, I'd like what because they were kind of when I was a kid they were big big they were they were the main comics you could get easily um and like when we uh i went to watch infinity war with um my girlfriend and my son and when spider-man uh turned to dust oh. um, I, I was in tears in the cinema it was like i didn't kind of a, a film hadn't got me like that <laughs> and it was just like I'm a mess. <laughs> Plus, Holland's like ad libbed it as well. That makes it even worse. So it's just yeah. felt so genuine. Like, yeah, it, it, like that for me. People say about um, actors being the the character, and I think Tom Holland has nailed Peter Parker perfectly. And uh, he, for me, he's he's the best one. In in the MCU, in the DC EU, um, yeah, he's nailed it for me. I think um, I've had this conversation with obviously you know comic book mm-hmm. people, no comic book people, and you, you you just kind of have these conversations just uh, you know when you're bored or you know when somebody somebody says something it rouses you up. Uh, it's like somebody said, try telling me Garfield was the best Spider Man. I was like, he, it was it was a good Spider Man, but it was a shit Peter Parker. Yeah, well, McGuire was a good Peter Parker. But a shit Spider-Man for me. Um, yeah. So Holland's got the combination of, of both. <laughs> it was it was like when when Christian Bale st- uh, said he wasn't going to be Batman anymore. People were like, oh no, but he's perfect for Batman. And it's like he he wasn't. He he started off started off really well, but yeah, then, then he the just yeah, he just kind of became a parody of himself. Got <laughs> <laughs> a little man. Sweet dreams, but but yeah, it did. That's why Begins is my favorite Batman film as well because I think that's the most complete film. Um, I love Dark Knight. I love Heath Ledger. I love uh, Joker again. Got him on, on my own there. Um, but it wasn't. It's not a, a, a perfect film. Begins is for me. It's got start, middle, and an end. Uh, yeah. Dark Knight's too long. Um, it's too it ran over by about twenty minutes. It's two films. Yeah. It, it seems like two films at once. Once you get to to the two face part, it's it's two films, yeah. They rush two face. Um, 
So that was, but yeah, totally agree with you. Um, and in all fairness, now that I've seen the Snyder cut of Batman, um, Ben Affleck's the, the best Batman. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, like I understand people. People don't like it because it's Ben Affleck. <laughs> I love Ben Affleck. That, but that's this like, oh well, it can't be Batman because he's Ben Affleck. Um, yeah, I, I have no issues with him as Bruce Wayne or Batman. Um, I thought I thought he did his part perfectly. Um, yeah, he could. He, he didn't really do a lot wrong for me. No, he fits the mold. He's a good-looking guy, so he, he covers the Bruce Wayne angle. Uh, and yeah, he, he, plus he's, he's Frank Miller's Batman. Yeah. So it's like, what's not to love, you know? It's just like, it, it just fit everything perfectly. Um, so, right, I'll, I'll, I'll get this back onto the, to the wrestling side for you. Do, do you think wrestling can learn from comic books in story arcs? Yeah, I think that's something else that I try and make that connection between comic books and wrestling is the storytelling, the character development. You know, you, you're trying to have these ongoing arcs. Absolutely, but... Um... <sighs> For me, uh, unfortunately, one the, my example that I would give isn't a good example uh, because the, the clone saga with Spider-Man, um, that carried on further than it was meant to and kind of because of the reaction, it, it kept building and just kept going, which I think, I think wrestling should do because people think Okay, well, I am going to book this this storyline where this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. Well, what if two shows in it's, it's on its ass? You have to be able to adapt, um, and at the same time, you need to have characters that grow. Um, at Target Wrestling, I've got my character is constantly evolving. It's not like going, hey, look at me, I'm a totally different person. It's it's got a kind of flow. Uh, yeah. Um when when I turned heel, um I had I had wrestled um Al Snow, uh uh who else was it? Roderick Strong, uh Chris Masters, um and I never got cheered, they got cheered because they were the import. So I'm a face, and they're cheering for my opponent. Um, and then after the the Roddy and the Masters match, they went for a handshake, and I walked off. Then I apologised and said I shouldn't have done it. It was just like emotions and everything. Um, so kind of, uh, uh, we worked a show where I got beat up by two of the Target lads, um, Havoc and Carnage. So I needed needed a mystery partner. Um, which came to be Medallion, who was who was actually a heel, but the people loved him. So we worked the match, we won, and then I turned on him, and and people like couldn't believe it because um, even though I basically told them what I was going to do, they still didn't see it coming, um, and like I, I cut a promo saying the same thing, just like. Hey, why aren't you cheering for me? I'm I'm here. I'm here every month, put, putting the work in, and you cheer for for the other people that don't want you to. Do you know what I mean? That like, I'm bothered. Um, 
and that set off my heel um, story, which I won the High Octane title. Then I, I wrestled Ricochet, Shane Strickland, and every month I'd have a cheat where either the referee would go down and then um, I'd hit them with the belt or uh, the referee would go down and they'd hit their finish and there'd be no ref. So you know, we used every every little trick to kind of cheat a victory. Um, and then I uh, challenged, made put out a challenge for a mystery opponent and it was Paul London. Um, so it, it, it wasn't announced, he just came out on the night and like people had already been guessing all sorts of names as to who it was going to be. Um, so obviously the place erupted when he came out. And the story of the match was basically all these months we've I've been telling this story with like the the cheap finishes and none of them worked. And then he beat me and people were like, shit, he's he's the important, he's got the belt. <laughs> and the the reaction was just like, Yeah, that worked. And it was pretty much two years to the day <laughs> since our first match. And That's it was funny. and that and that wasn't planned. The whole the whole way that the matches were going to get finished and stuff, they weren't planned. It was just like, this is what my character would do. And that tells the story. I say you're open to, um, like say, changing it based on, like say, fans' reaction, how your character's developing from match to match. Um, which, yeah, which is key kind of thing. And that's a bold move to have London on the show, though, and not announce it. Because you know they could have got like I'm guessing obviously it was a you know it's a sellout show anyway because you know that's the kind of name you put on there to bloody sell tickets and um, the uh, the other um, the other person that was helping run it he was like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to announce it we're gonna have to announce him because like he was panicking about tickets he's like and I was like just like let me let me do my promo thing and I'd put a promo out and everything. It's like just like it'll it'll work, and it was as much the confidence in myself as being in that role to build up expectations. Um, and people people bought tickets, wanted to know who it was, yeah. and like that's why I made up the the franchise player character um, because I feel like. I can be the centerpiece of a company. I, I can be your franchise player. I'll be the one that gets people in the door. Um, but I can also, you know what I mean? If I'm in the opener, you're not going to go, oh, well, I've seen the match that I want to see. I'm going to go now. You've got, you've got to have, have depth to it rather than just say, hey, I should be in the main event. Yeah. You, you've, you've got to be able to d- deliver all over. So... Oh, that's it. I mean, yeah, you from from open to close, you know, there's got to be something that's uh, there's got to be something for everybody, hasn't there? Kind of thing, you know, not everybody's going to like everything. Um, and I, again, I don't know how true it rings, uh, you know, for, for you guys in your mindset and stuff, but I've read a few times that if you're not in the main event, then you want to be in the, the first match, you know, to set the bar, you know, you want to go out there, sort of. <laughs> it, it, is a, it is a tough one because. I understand everybody wants to get the spotlight on them and say, "Hey, look, this is this is this is how good we are." But sometimes you just need to kind of have that that workhorse performance 
and and go, that was a good match. And and then the next match comes, oh, that was a, a better match. And then it builds and builds, and then maybe just before the main event, bring it down, put a cooler match on, yeah. just like uh, maybe a, a lesser experienced wrestler. Um, and then bring oh, the main event. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's like for me you you kind of wanna you wanna just put in a good do a good job. And yeah. it's it is sometimes depends on who you're in the ring with. Um so, so it's about the flow of the show then in that sense kind of thing. You know, you don't want it's, it's not, you don't always need to go out there and steal the show because you don't want to take the light off of the guys that are coming after you kind of thing. Is it just about telling a story and then Building up anticipation and building yeah. the crowd up. Like if um, if I was working with somebody like a, like a Rampage Brown, it would be a story of basically big man Rampage doing Rampage things, and maybe not be, hey, wow, what an, uh, an exciting match that was! That was just Rampage beating him up. <laughs> um, but then if I was in with. Uh, somebody like Josh Terry, who's a high flyer, um, it would be, wow, look at all that stuff. So it could be the third match on either show, but you'd have a different uh, feel to the match because of who it is. Um, and that, you, as a wrestler, I am always feeling uh, in a tight spot of to whether have a solid safe match or uh a good potentially risky match yeah you kind of you want to give give your money's worth and show the promoter hey look he can do his job but at the same time you still want to have something um to make them want you to come back yeah (laughs) yeah that you know the fans remember in that sense as well kind of thing because unfortunately um you know, it's kind of possibly going back to like, you know, like you say yourself, the Kirby's and stuff is, you know, the reliable guys, you know, they would, you can go back. It's, it's in hindsight, you know, when you go back and watch some of these matches, you're just like, that was fucking awesome. But on the night, I didn't quite get it. I didn't quite grasp how yeah. good that was at the time kind of thing. Um, um, but yourself, I mean, you, you, you're diverse as hell is what, you know, what you do. I mean, I watched one of your matches a while ago against, um, Dunkerton, um, and that was just totally like you know heal it up. Um, just you two talking like those obviously those spots in the match you know you was going backwards and forwards, uh, but those points that matches where he was just the audience was throwing shit at you and you was talking to the audience you know you was proper healing it up. Um, the thing is though, everything is still. It didn't come away from shading actress. <laughs> like like I've kind of. I've I've kind of fine tuned my character as to I can I can wrestle each of these different matches, but I'm still shading. It's still a shading actress match, yeah. Um, which is tricky because if you look closely, I don't really do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do more than you give yourself credit for, dude. <laughs> um, but I, like I, I'm not saying that I don't work, but. I I work as a heel. Yeah. Um, it, at Discovery, um, 
I went up there for their their rumble show, and I was in that. And afterwards, the the reaction I got was basically, uh, "Why haven't I seen him before? Um, he was one of only like two or three heels on the show, like actual heels." Um, and I didn't do anything. Do me. I just did. I did what I do. Sometimes less is more, though, isn't it? That's the kind of thing as well, especially when you work in heel. Because, you know what I mean? It's like, again, I was uh, speaking to, to Robin about kayfabe a while ago. Um, and uh, I, I missed that. You know, when you go back and watch, like, you know, old school wrestling and you just like when kayfabe was was, was a big thing, um, to, to be a heel, man, just, just to get the heat. All you had to do was flip, you know, like just shout at yeah. the audience, and that, that was it. Then you five minutes, you get you've been barraged with insults, kind of thing. And that's what I do. Um, the way I kind of work my character was um, discovery was a good kind of thing for people that hadn't seen me before. Was um, I worked a tag match where I tagged with Josh Terry against Polar Promotions. So I was a heel. Um, he was a he. Josh is like super baby face. Um, uh, I cost us the match because he was trying to show, well, do what he does. Um, and then it ended up falling on my ass and we lost. And then he hit a shoe and start press on me. Um, and this kind of built up to, I think we did two more shows where we, uh, one more show we built it. And then we had the match and the match where, uh, I worked BT Gunn, he worked El Aguero, and I kind of got involved in his match and lost mine. And I didn't do anything other than heel work. I didn't do anything fancy. I just did heel work. And then it came to the match with Josh, and like I did a Spanish fly. And people kind of went, oh, shit, he's actually quite good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, in, it's in your tank if you need it. You just don't, you know, you don't you know, throw it out there for no reason. People, people kind of, um, I know what Target, the the do, they all like, he's really good, but he isn't half a dick. <laughs> and like, I, I come out and uh, basically when I'm not talking about wrestling, my face looks miserable. <laughs> That's just my default face. So I come out through the curtains, same face that I always have on. And people are already miserable. Like, oh, look at him. I've got my T-shirt on saying I hate wrestling fans. Yep. And it, I mean, it's it's easy after that because they already don't like us. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. That's, that's what you got to do. Like I say, man, when, when, especially for being a hill man, less is more, but it's not, doesn't mean that you, you don't, you can't do more kind of thing. It's like the, the key skill for you is reading the audience. So you kind of know what you're doing and what you're doing well. And that yeah. in itself you know, is, is you know, a requirement. So, yeah, man, it's uh, a few people I've spoken to that have worked heel voice sort of said, you know, they've got these moves in the locker if they need them. Why use them? Yeah. Um, I, worked, I worked at PCW against uh, El Eccentrico, um, and it was it was a night where they were struggling with uh, people turning up because I think there'd been a, an accident on the motorway or something. So our match ended up going on first. And uh, Greg Lambert had asked us um, if um, if I, we changed it, would it be on first? Because it got over, it, the, it, the crowd reacted really well to it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, I can work. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> is it? And like, I think it kind of it kind of dawned on him. He was like, "Oh yeah, you, that's that's what you should be doing." Um, the Stallion had asked us about my character for to talk about on commentary, and I was like, "I hate wrestling fans." And he was like, "That's not a character." Afterwards, he went, I "Love it," <laughs> <laughs> and that booming Geordie accent. Love it. <laughs> and it, it is. It's it is wrestling. Wrestling is only complicated as you want it to be. Exactly. It's like you can. Things can be simple. It doesn't mean like the crap. It just means it's simple, and it, but it's easier to turn simple up to eleven. It's not complicated. Yeah, uh, and if if you want to make something a bit more complicated, be creative. <laughs> they don't oh, tell a story over X amount of shows, don't you? That's you don't you don't have to you don't have to go. Okay, well, I'm going to have to do every move that I've ever seen. Just maybe maybe find. Find a spot that you haven't quite seen before and go, hey, we could maybe do this. Um, I worked a match with Benji and the the venue, it was the venue that we run at ran at Target was called the venue. <laughs> um, and the, the ring was in front of a stage. And I got him to do uh, I was standing on the second rope, the actual rope, and he dived off the stage and did a Canadian destroyer on me. Ooh. and like it blew people's mind and it was that it was just a creative thing me and benji would just have had a decent match but we put an exclamation point by having that spot in yeah. it and people remember it yeah and that's, that's, it. that's just being creative uh and like it it was uh, executed perfectly. I couldn't, I, we couldn't have done it any better. And like, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like no practice. It's just like, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> and then like, yeah, one out of a hundred times, you know, something might just go wrong next time. But that, that one moment that was lightning in a bottle. And that was just, yeah. that was it. Yeah, bam, perfect. That's, yeah. that's what people would go away. Um, as a wrestling fan, we take away lots from a show. You know I mean, we generally always talk about, you know, a handful of stuff from numerous matches kind of thing so it's kind of like it's not stealing the light from somebody else but damn yeah we were, you know we're talking about that afterwards kind of thing you know that's coming up in conversation um so yeah that's that's awesome and i'll have to try and find that as well uh, because that's right i'll ask you this kind of the canadian destroyer um obviously i know you've just said you've used it kind of thing um but are certain moves becoming diluted um Yes, but uh, I DDT. But I'll also put my hand up and say I'll quite happily get Canadian destroyed every match. <laughs> um, Destroyers and reverse Frankenstein's are my favourite moves to take. Poison, oh, poison runners. Yeah, they just look awesome though as well. So fair play to you, man. That's just they are, they are generally still one of the moves. But I actually just go, oh, you know, when um, I see one, I'm like, oh. And it's it's a move that I know I can take and make it look good. Yeah. But no chance I'm going to be doing them. But I can take them well and get the reaction. Um, me and Josh Terry, like we had used a Canadian destroyer in one of our first matches. Um, so then when we had a, a bigger match, we did it on the apron. Yeah. Once again, my idea. <laughs> but um. <laughs> 
it worked and like people like lost their mind over it and that's what we wanted and like as i said josh if i don't know how much of josh you've seen um josh morell josh morell on nxt uk um he is unreal he's the best all-round cruiserweight in the uk for me um do you mean Johnny Moss taught him to wrestle so he can he can work and he's unbelievably gifted uh, aerially. Um, the first time we had a match, I uh, I asked him if he could do a dragon runner. So we practiced it and he nailed it wearing skinny jeans. Jeez. <laughs> that takes skills. Bloody hell. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. Wow. So, and the thing with the thing with me and Josh is our our characters and styles mesh perfectly. He's a clean cut, high flying baby face, and you know what I mean. I'm I'm the grisly, miserable heel. So <laughs> it, it just works. That's it. And again, it's keeping it simple. That's what you need sometimes. Like I say, it's just wrestling one hundred and one. That is the yeah. perfect face and heel, you know, yeah. uh, connection. It just works so well. Um, but no, that's awesome. Um, I am going to quick fire you uh, a question before. I've just noticed how long we've been going for, so apologies if I've kept you on a bit longer than I said I would. Um, but, right, top five comic book characters. That, okay. That's a question to you. Yeah. Uh, Scarlet Spider. Um, Hawkeye. Nice. Um, Nova. Yep. Uh, Batman and Spider-Man. Nice. Who wins between Nova Corps and Green Lantern Corps? <sighs> Just because of both Corps, I've got to throw that I'd question in. Green Lantern Corps because I, there's not enough depth in the Nova Corps. Um, <laughs> no, I love the Nova Corps, but yeah, like I said, the Green Lantern Corps are just huge, basically. Yeah. So, um, and we'll hopefully get a good film at some point based on the. Uh, the Green Lanterns. Um, so, no, actually, last question. Um, Loki finale tomorrow. We'll see how well this ages because obviously this is dropping on Sunday. So the finale will have aired by the time this drops. But are we talking Kang as the big bad, or is it going to be an evil variant of Loki? I'm, I'm fingers crossed for a Kang, but I, I, I don't want to get my hopes up and be disappointed. So I do think it'll be a Loki variant. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a tough one. I say it would it would set up perfectly, but it's the way that um, One Division went, where it's like Osmo Fisto, it's Blackheart, but it would have worked perfectly. And you know, what I mean, once again, is this is this our wrestling brain putting two and two together? <laughs> um, but yeah, it it's like the 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 three TV shows that Marvel have put out have just delivered every time. Um, but they've all been about self evolution of the character or self development of the character yeah. themselves. Like say, One Division turns out it was Wonder all along. It's her story. Um, obviously, Falcon it was his story about becoming No Captain America. Um, so yeah, based on those two, it kind of leads us to think that they're doing the swerve again. It's not going to be Kang. It's going to be another arc on the Deloki character. Totally different. Every every one of them has been totally different as well. 
which yeah. is to me it would be really easy for them to to put three yeah. scenes out exactly the same but with different characters um and have you watched black widow yet no 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 i need to i've got i think i'm going to go next week i saw your tweet about him man. i know you enjoyed it didn't you better than i thought it was going to be he was definitely better than I thought he was going because she's, she's not a character that I was particularly invested in, but it, you could not watch it and not feel like you've missed anything other than the after credit scene. And, um, I was I was kind of waiting for a Hawkeye Black Widow film. I always thought they would do you know that together kind of thing. I always thought that was a perfect uh, collaboration. Find out what happened in Budapest for God's sake. <laughs> Uh, but no, I know Black Widows. Uh, plus, it's got Dave Harper in it, and it as well. So he's generally always good. And um, as much as I didn't really like the Hellboy reboot, he was good in it. It's not his fault, so we don't blame him. The strangest thing in it is um, Ray Winston's uh, Cockney Russian accent. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Even trying to do an accent, he still sounds exactly the same. Of course, we like Skumsky. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I need to get that watch. Now you sold it to me. Any doubts I had beforehand, I need to see Cockney, Russian, Ray Winston. <laughs> um, dude, I, I, can't, I can't even top that. That's, that's my, um, I'm, I'm obviously of the age I remember, you know, like Scum, and I kind of grew up on a young Ray Winston and stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's perfect. Um, dude, you, you've been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for, you know, just chatting wrestling and comic books and, you know, just um, letting me geek out with you as well, kind of thing. So, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I generally I don't have a lot to say unless I'm talking about wrestling and uh, geeky stuff. So yeah, <laughs> that's exactly the same. I'll just kind of sit here like I'm the same as you, man. I've got wrestling pitch face kind of thing. Unless I'm unless I'm talking about comic books or wrestling, I generally have people come at work who walk around me because they generally think you know I'm in a pissed off mood or they're too scared to come up to me. I'm like, no, I'm just like it's just my face. I can't <laughs> help it. <laughs> but yeah, you start talking about this stuff, man. Huge smiles. Uh, absolutely loved it um, do you want to give a shout out to uh, your socials or anything while you're on it yeah um it's at shading actress on twitter and if you're on facebook it's uh, shading actress is their facebook page and uh, if you want to take a look at the youtube channel shading actress on there and you'll see uh, the pro wrestling is real life uh, series where every roughly every wednesday i put a, a past match on and kind of a, a quick chat about the match or some other topic just uh, and I give uh, give a plug after everyone just to kind of pass it on. If that's what it is. Yeah. The love. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Project uh, Unity stuff as well on, on socials. Yeah, it's at, at Wrestling Unity on Twitter and uh, Project Wrestling Unity on Facebook. Um, yeah, give it a follow. It's 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 mainly just shares and retweets of things, but that's what it's for. <laughs> It's it's not for putting out original content. It's for everybody else to to see what you might have missed. Um, Retro is cool. If you've yeah, like that's it, man. If you'd like, there's so much stuff. You know, I like wrestling, but there's so much stuff goes on. It's very easy. I probably watched five percent, you know, of everything that's out there. So mm. that's what, if somebody can point me in the right direction to stuff that I've missed good on a man and, and you know uh, yeah i welcome it so definitely go check that out people